2: Now, the WBBM Noon Business
1: Hour. It's 12.03 on a snowy midweek Wednesday, February 2nd, 2022. Good afternoon. Thanks for joining us on the Noon Business Hour. I'm Rob Hart. The head of CNN has resigned after nine years on the job. We'll get the latest in our next segment. Right now, we'll look at private sector employment is out ahead of Friday's government jobs report for January. We're joined by Gus Fauché, chief economist, PNC Financial Services, based in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. Gus, thanks for joining us today. The ADP report, which is usually the upper uh, as far as uh, the the count of new jobs is concerned, is a downer today, uh, saying that companies uh, cut 301,000 jobs in the month of January. Uh, You can credit or blame the Omicron variant of COVID-19 for that drop that is substantially below analysts' expectations. Uh, What were some of the lowlights of this report?
3: The job losses were broad based, so we saw them in a lot of industries, particularly in leisure hospitality services, restaurants, hotels, that type of thing. And then across all sorts of of firm sizes. So big companies lost jobs over the month, medium sized companies, and small companies.
1: Uh, Between the data and the anecdotes, you had a sense something like this was coming between the restaurants that were either sharply curtailing their hours or just shutting down entirely in the month of January, or some businesses that that had to uh, curtail their operations substantially because so many employees were out sick. Now, ADP and the the Bureau of Labor Statistics uh, have their surveys out at different times. Does that mean that number uh, that comes out on Friday morning could be higher or even lower than what ADP is saying?
3: Uh, it, it could very well be. At PNC, we're expecting the survey to show job losses of 400,000 for January. That would be the first uh, loss in jobs since December of 2020. Um, I think we're likely, again, to see it uh, job losses across a wide variety of industries. But I'm hopeful that as the Omicron variant fades, that we'll see job growth pick back up again.
1: And you're looking at the, uh, the, the curve of Omicron in some big cities that were hit hardest by the variant early. New York, Boston, you're starting to see it in Illinois. Chicago, especially uh, Omicron cases are fading, and uh, as Omicron cases fading, it would do. Analysts believe, or and do you believe that the uh, American consumer is just going to say, "Okay, game on" once again?
3: That, that's right. And I think even more importantly, what we're going to start to see is people who uh, dropped out of the job market because of Omicron, because they were sick or quarantining or a family member was, they're going to come back. They're going to start filling jobs again. Uh, so I think between strong demand and more labor supply, that we'll see a rebound in job growth uh, through the spring.
1: Now, the Fed says their interest rate hikes are tied to the fact that they believe we have reached full employment. The economy has uh, produced about as many jobs as it can. Um, Are they if let's say the February report that comes out the first Friday in March is uh, equally as underwhelming, uh, would they decide to uh, uh, hold off on those scheduled interest rate hikes?
3: Uh, they may may very well decide to. It depends on what's also happening with inflation. Uh, but if we see a few months of weak job growth or job losses, uh, that would certainly cause the Fed to, to reconsider that.
1: Well, thanks for joining us, Gus, Gus Fauché, Chief Economist, PNC Financial Services, based in Pittsburgh. Coming up, a change at the top coming to CNN. The best daily deal in Chicago, the WBBM Noon Business Hour. Well, it was a uh, the news that turned heads in media spaces this morning, and that is the head of CNN, Jeff Zucker, resigned abruptly today after nearly a decade at the media company. Let's learn why from Tom Layson, media analyst in Seattle. You can find him on Twitter at Tom Layson. Tom, thanks for joining us today. Uh, nine years at CNN for Jeff Zucker. Before that, he was at NBC. Uh, what's his reason for his sudden resignation?
2: Yeah, Rob, this really was a bombshell.
1: A late night
2: email last night um, indicated that Zucker was going to step down. The result of this being apparently a consensual, but still against company policy relationship um, with a gal named Allison Golas, who's the VP and Chief Marketing Officer there at CNN. Zucker's one of the most high profile, non on air people in broadcast media, but when you look at this on sort of a timeline, there are a lot of circles on this here Venn diagram. Zucker started back at NBC in 86. Gollist was tied there in 1998. He was then made CEO at NBC Universal in 2007, and Gollist climbed the ladder with him. And that relationship was apparently already underway at that time. But here's where it gets interesting In 2013, Zucker joined CNN. Gallist went to work as the communications director for Andrew Cuomo for a bit. And then was hired by zucker at cnn has been part of the leadership team there ever since so that relationship apparently required that zucker disclose it at cnn at some point possibly when he hired her at cnn and that apparently never happened and then guess what years later it somehow comes up during the investigation into chris cuomo's relationship with his brother andrew as an advisor chris is fighting to get his job back and now, apparently, Zucker's decided that his resignation was necessary. And, you know, whether a firing was coming, uh, let's face it, we'll probably never know that.
1: Well, this tangled web is certainly enough to, uh, to generate enough storylines for season three of Apple TV's The Morning Show, uh, at the very least. But Zucker leaves CNN at a very interesting time for the oldest brand uh, in cable news. It is struggling to find its footing in the post-Trump era. Uh it has already uh, uh, signed up a bunch of stars for this uh, streaming uh, CNN offering that is coming down the pike. Um, yep. As far as the the, the cable component is concerned, uh, you know what 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 does the new head of CNN? What do they have to focus on first? Is it the streaming thing or is it the the tried and true cable news product?
2: Well, yes. Yes, to both. And that's the hard part about this. CNN for a long time really struggled with its identity. Zucker came in, came in, said, listen, we're going to be a real proponent of fact based news, but ended up walking away from that in prime time with sort of the rise of this star system punditry. Um, you know, Chris Cuomo was one of those folks until he ran afoul um, due to his brother's activities. So there are a lot of questions here. It's really bad timing, as you mentioned, because the merger with Discovery is in the works here. And then, as you also mentioned, the launch of CNN Plus. So there are a lot of irons in the fire. There are a lot of cylinders that CNN has to be firing on right now. And without an executive in place, it's only going to make it that much that much more difficult. And I should add as well, Gullis says, by the way, that she plans to stay at CNN. We'll see how that works.
1: And very quickly, CNN is kind of stuck. You know, as There, there are two cable networks that are devoted to basically reinforcing your beliefs, whatever those beliefs happen to be. Uh, <laughs> CNN is going the personality documentary route. Uh, with a new person in charge, will they try to lean into one of those ideological lanes?
2: Well, I think you can make an argument that they already have. And, you know, this is why Trump and, um, you know, Zucker incidentally brought Trump into stardom with The Apprentice over at NBC. But then, you know, Trump uh, can see CNN as being a very unfair critic. And now today, of course, Trump and Fox are overjoyed and um, doing a tap dance on Zucker's grave here. They've been at war with CNN for years. So will this, you know, portend an ideological swing back to the middle for CNN as a news channel? I don't know. Um, But, you know, I I think the conventional wisdom is that you got to pick a side, pick your pundits and uh, capture that half of the audience.
1: And chances are uh, he's not going to make an appearance on Conan O'Brien needs a friend anytime soon.
2: Uh, My guess is no.
1: All right, Tom Lason, media analyst in Seattle, Washington, on Twitter, at Tom Lason. Thanks for joining us today. Coming up next, General Motors posts record earnings despite a computer chip shortage. Loaning useful information each weekday. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. General Motors reporting record earnings despite supply chain issues and a global semiconductor shortage. We welcome in John McElroy, automotive industry analyst and the host of Autoline.tv based in Detroit. John, thanks for joining us today day if you lay out the list of woes that GM faced in 2021 you would anticipate uh, a very bad financial showing for the company and yet it is reporting record earnings why the disconnect
0: yeah isn't that wild general motors sold over 500,000 fewer cars and trucks last year than the year before and yet its profits went up 57% it's a stunning number and the reason, of course, Rob, is that there's so little inventory at dealerships, and it's not just GM. GM's just the first to report, but there's so, so little inventory that dealers are charging top dollars for these cars. General Motors and other automakers, they don't have to offer discounts, they don't have to have blowout sales, and all that money is dropping to the bottom line, Rob.
1: And the company is uh, anticipating that, uh, that semiconductor shortage to ease in 2022. And it's also shifting over to EV production. And it's being kind of conservative about this year because I guess you'd want to manage expectations and you'd rather surprise than disappoint.
0: Yeah, you're right. And who knows what's going to happen? You know, at the start of 2020, everybody thought things were going to be great in the auto industry. COVID hit. 2021, everybody thought COVID's pretty much behind us. The uh, the chip shortage shit, And now here we are, 2022. We still got COVID and we still got a chip shortage. So who knows what's going to happen?
1: So GM's guidance for 2022 is kind of reflecting the uh, same mindset as the general public, which in a backwards way uh, brings us back to that age old quote about uh, what's good for General Motors is good for the country and vice versa.
0: Yeah, it kind of is, you know, uh, and and I'm glad you had the vice versa, because that's the other part of the quote. It's not just what's good for General Motors is good for the country. It's what's good for the country is good for General Motors. And GM actually thinks 2022 is going to be a pretty decent year. They're forecasting that their profits are going to be somewhere in the 13 to 15 billion dollar area. And (laughs) that's a lot of money in my book.
1: Yeah, it's, it's, uh, that's, that's not for debate. That is a, a decent amount of money. Thanks for joining us. John McElroy, automotive industry analyst and host of Autoline.tv, based in Detroit. Still ahead in Personal Finance Wednesday, getting the entire family interested in investing.
0: I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. Like me.
1: In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com/slash recommend today. This is Chicago's
2: All News Station. News radio 780 and 105.9 FM. The WBBM noon business hour continues.
1: Good afternoon. I'm Rob Hart. These are the top stories on News Radio WBBM. Snowfall totals across the area, ranging from an inch in the far northern suburbs to uh, 10 inches south of Chicago. The United States makes a military move in Europe. It's personal finance Wednesday, forming an investment club within your own family. And COVID's impact on the restaurant industry will last well beyond the current pandemic. WBBM Business, the markets are higher. The Dow is up 84 points. The NASDAQ is up 20 and the S&P 500 is up 28. AccuWeather says the snow will continue to fall. Uh, the Winter Weather Advisory and some Winter Weather Warnings continuing through this evening. Let's get the latest now on the snowfall because driving has been tough today especially in areas south and west of the city. Police in northwest Indiana say alcohol added to problems following one highway crash. The latest from WBBM's Mike Krauser. Two- Troopers were at a crash scene involving a semi on I-94 near Michigan City. State Police Sergeant Glenn fifield says he was on the phone with one trooper, and she told him, "This car's not stopping. This car's not stopping, and it slammed into the back of her car."
4: Well, this could have had tragic consequences. We had a trooper standing outside the vehicle. Had this driver swerved or, or you, you know lost control of the vehicle and off the roadway. This could have had tragic uh, consequences. So you know, one person's poor decision results in crashed vehicles, this person going to jail, things of this nature uh, do not help us out on days like this.
1: Neither trooper was injured, but Fifield said the incident took four troopers out of service two at the scene, a third to investigate, and a fourth to deal with the drunk driving investigation. Unbelievable, he said. As for the roads, they are in rough shape, snow-covered, passable if you have four-wheel drive. If not, reconsider driving. That's the story in northwest Indiana. Snowfall totals four to eight inches north of downtown Chicago, eight to twelve south of Chicago and into northwest Indiana. About 2,000 U.S.-based troops will head to Europe this week as NATO worries about a potential Russian invasion of Ukraine. The
3: bulk of the troops, Troops will go from North Carolina's Fort Bragg to Poland, with others deploying to Germany. Another 1,000 will shift from Germany to Romania. Pentagon spokesman John Kirby says none of the moves are permanent. They
5: are moves designed to respond to the current security environment. Moreover, these
3: forces are not going to fight in Ukraine. Kirby says they are a strong signal to the world and Russian leader Vladimir Putin that the U.S. is committed to defending its allies. The troops will take up their new positions in coming days under American command. Sagar Magani, Washington.
1: Markets are higher. We're joined by Chuck Carlson, CEO of Horizon Investment Services and publisher of the Dow Theory Forecast Newsletter based in Hammond. Thanks for joining us today. It sounds like everybody's hitching their wagon to Alphabet, a blowout uh, earnings
4: report, and uh, that set the market. It, it certainly has has helped, and it, it comes on the heels of, Two strong earnings reports from other big mega cap tech stocks, Apple and Microsoft. Google's, excuse me, Alphabet's uh, results were quite strong. Their, their uh, ad business uh, was up over 32%. Their cloud business was strong. Uh, and I think the, the other icing on the cake was the company announced that they're going to be splitting the stock 20 for one here. I think it's in, in mid July. And individual investors like stock splits, and, and uh, the, they're bidding the stock up today.
1: And that 20-for-1 uh, split could uh, pave the way for its addition to the Dow Jones Industrial Average. Now, how would that work if if Google moves over there?
4: Well, uh, yes, I, I think it, it definitely will pave the way to the Dow. The, the Dow hasn't announced that change yet, but the, the main reason Alphabet has not been in the Dow is the Dow is a price-weighted index. Which means high priced stocks carry a greater weight in the Dow. You have a stock that's trading like alphabet is right around $3,000 dollars per share. That really doesn't work very well in the Dow construct. But now with a stock split uh, of 20 to one, if that you know if the stock splits 20 to one at its current price or looking at about $140 dollars a share, that, that easily fits in with the Dow scenario. And so yes, my guess is you will see the Dow Jones Industrial Average bring Alphabet into the fold here sometime in the second half of this year.
1: And before we move on to the Dow theory, what's uh, very
4: quickly, what's happening with PayPal? You know, PayPal is is in the doghouse. The company has disappointed for the last two quarters. Their guidance was was way off the mark from what was expected. And, and when you commit kind of that unpardonable sin of really disappointing and not providing transparency on, on what investors should be expecting you you see the type of decline that you see today. I, now, uh, full disclosure, I've been kind of a, a fan of PayPal over the years, and I thought at about $180, the stock was pretty attractively priced. It's down at about 130 140 right now. So, uh, you know, it, it, it probably is value there, but it is going to take a while. Uh, it has become that quintessential show-me stock where it's going to take two, three, four quarters of decent numbers Uh, for for investors to get back into that stock.
1: And then a week ago, the uh, market sell-off was in full swing. The Dow was dancing on that bear market threshold. Uh, One week and one rally later, what's the Dow theory telling you?
4: Yeah, it's interesting. The the Dow theory continues to be on a bull market signal. We did not get that change in the trend from bullish to bearish. The Dow Jones Industrial Average held that important low on a close of 34022 and. You know, it's interesting, it it it, it really made a charge at it last week, but it couldn't go through. And I think you have to respect that kind of resiliency in the Dow and, and, and the Dow theory. So right now it is still on a bull market trend.
1: Thanks for joining us, Chuck Carlson, CEO of Horizon Investment Services and publisher of the Dow Theory Forecast Newsletter based in Hammond, Indiana. Coming up next in Personal Finance Wednesday, getting the entire family interested in investing. Discussing the news affecting your money. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. It's Personal Finance Wednesday. An investing club can be an excellent way to teach kids about the stock market. Let's get some help from Matt Matigian, CEO of Blue World Asset Managers based in Chicago. You'll find the blog at blueworldam.com. Matt, thanks for joining us today. And one of the themes of Personal Finance Wednesday so far this year has been it's never too young to get into investing. And there are numerous ways to demystify the stock market and make your parents' conversations about finances a little less <laughs> opaque. And an investing club is one way to do that. And And how do you set it up? How do you get people involved?
5: Well, you sit down and have a family meeting, uh, anybody that might be involved. And, and if you have small children, that might just be mom and dad getting together and say, you know, hey, we're going to start this club. Uh, We're going to have the kids participate through trust until they're old enough to, uh, you know, have the handoff and start participating on their own. That's that's what we did. But what I want to point out about the true value of the investment club, uh, it's about a lot more than just investing. It's about becoming truly fluent uh, in in the language of of finance. So covering everything from estate planning to private equity uh, and all things in between. Uh, the the driving force behind our club, the, the mantra is pay yourself first. While that's a cliche, it's a very powerful one. The way most of us spend our lives, we uh, we go to work, we get our paychecks, we pay all our bills, and then we hope there's something left over for us. Uh, we view that as a little bit backwards. So what we try to teach all the members in our clubs, the the children, nieces, nephews, cousins, everybody that's involved, is our members are required to make a minimum contribution, commit to a minimum contribution at the beginning of the year, and then every month they make that minimum contribution no matter what. Their paychecks, it's the first dollars out And then they're just going to have to figure out how everybody else is getting paid. So, uh, again, while investing is the primary activity of the club, the education stretches across the entire gamut of financial literacy.
1: And also not only just financial literacy, but media literacy, too, because you have to stay on top of current events and how they impact uh, your various investments. And you also need to discern uh, which insights, what, uh, what commentary about the markets are good and what, are, what commentary is, let's say, uh, less valuable.
5: Yeah, that I absolutely agree. As a matter of fact, we, we communicate on this stuff regularly, but we meet formally once a month, and we follow a particular format, and it begins with a review of the macroeconomic information and data coming out of the economy – And we compare that to the position of the portfolio. Then we talk about where the opportunities might be. And and those opportunities are on both sides. Where could we be long? Where could we be short? Then we vote and give the trading members guidance on, on what to execute the subsequent day. And all of that is directly dependent on a good evaluation of everything you just talked about.
1: Well, thanks for joining us this afternoon. Matt Mategan, CEO of Blue World Asset Managers based in Chicago. Lunch money for all generations. This is the WBBM Noon Business Hour. The impact of the COVID crisis on restaurants will be felt for a very long time. Let's discuss some of the key aspects with Izzy Karish, president of Hospitality Works, a.k.a. the restaurant coach based in Chicago. Izzy, thanks for joining us. The National Restaurant Association says in 2022 and beyond, we will settle into some kind of new normal, and uh, the restaurant experience as it existed in 2019 uh, is simply gone. Uh, Do you agree with that assessment? You know,
6: I really don't. I think that, uh, you know, certain adjustments are uh, being made. You know, people are buying uh, more carryout to go, uh, those kind of things. I think that'll be adjusted back in. But as time goes on, people will still be going to restaurants. Uh, They'll still be dining in. The only change for the restaurants uh, is that they're going to continue with much higher sales because they not only have the dine-in, but again, people are spending more money on carryout to go and, uh, you know, that kind of thing. So, um, you know, the NRA is projecting 2022 to do $898 billion in sales, which is up almost $40 billion from 2019. So and, changes are there, but sales are going up.
1: And with the exception of municipal mask mandates or vaccine card requirements, the restaurant experience is same as it. It's pretty much the same as it was prior to COVID.
6: Yeah, that's true. And what we're talking about is, you know, a level of confidence. It's, you know, consumers uh, right now, because of the uh, new variant, uh, have taken another step back and are not quite as confident as to go into the restaurant. But as this goes away, that confidence will again go up. And more and more people will be dining in and more and more people will continue Uh, to do uh, to-go orders and pick up and that kind of thing.
1: And then, but uh, on the other hand, uh, overhead is probably still a major issue in terms of just filtration equipment, uh, various safety features that were installed uh, since 2020. And on top of that, just the rising cost of labor and materials.
6: Right. Materials are going up, uh, you know, unbelievably quickly. Uh, The price of food, you know, most of my restaurants uh, in the last, let's call it the last four months, have raised prices five and six times. Uh, just to try to keep up with the price of chicken, the price of meat.
1: Izzy Karish, president of Hospitality Works, a.k.a. the restaurant coach based in Chicago. Thanks for joining us. You'll find past programs and later today a podcast of this hour at WBBMNewsRadio.com and the Odyssey app. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio.